Welcome to the Unpolished MBA podcast and our special holiday series called Unpolished Gold, Mining for Talent in Transition, where we uncover the hidden gems of the professional world this holiday season. All right, so we're going to hop right in. Our guest today is Robert Johnson. Now, that's a name I would say resonates with versatility and innovation in the field of user experience. His journey is about not just being an innovator, but adapting to change and leading it. So, Robert, I want to welcome you to the Unpolished MBA podcast. It is certainly awesome to be here and uh, just to talk more about UX and uh the things that are going on in the field today, and also my own like career transition journey for everyone out there. Well, we're going to get to that because I'm going to ask you toward the end if you have any insight to provide to others that are in career transition. But right now, I want to bring it on back to what I know about you as far as you being entrepreneurial, creative, and having that teaching bug. You've done a lot of stuff in your career. But I want to talk a little bit about in the beginning, like a lot of the multimedia and design roles that you had at various companies, some major ones at that. Let's start with how did you get started in that? You know, I, I think like uh, my I guess my career has been quite kind of accidental because I started out uh, as a photographer only. And as I saw technology changing, I became more interested in the web. So I was at the beginning of the web. Uh, kind of revolution. And I got interested in that. And that's where the jobs were. So I started out at Lockheed Martin as a multimedia designer, designing really curriculum for the military. So kind of dry. And then I transitioned into a role as a, I was a multimedia journalist at CNN, and then went on to direct photography at uh, the Weather Channel, as well as kind of serve on there. I was on the design team. So I've always been kind of interested in design. So th those are things that align with my interest. And then just the changing market of it, I was able to kind of go where the jobs were. I wasn't really gravitating towards a traditional uh, photography career mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah, you still continue to do your photography on the side. So that, that creative part of you is still there. How often do you have a chance to experience the love that you have of photography while you've been in your other part of your career? I was a... Uh, UX architect at State Farm. So every day I would ride the train. And so every day I would photograph. So probably every day I still photograph because wow. it's kind of in me. Oh, and, and those are things that I don't actively pursue much. I really do photography probably more as for my own enjoyment now, really just personal work. I also volunteer for my church and it's just to keep my skills up as a photographer. And we have like a weekly uh, we, where we actually uh, like document the, the service. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you certainly have an eye. And for our guests, they don't know anything about my connection to you. So Robert and I went to the same undergrad college, but what, a decade apart? I'm not telling. I'm not telling any yeah. years, Robert. <laughs> I think we're a good decade apart. <laughs> but a good decade or so apart. But, <laughs> but because I... I knew him from that. And again, guys, always keep relationships, right? So I saw he went to my college. I reached out to him when I was doing my tech startup and he produced 
my first videos, photography that I did for the company and everything. And ever since then, we've remained connected. And that's been at least 10 years, Robert, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was about 10 years ago that I had a similar, I transitioned into UX from just as a photographer uh, at the Weather Channel when I was, uh, they had a a reduction in force there and I kind of started pursuing UX. But probably before that, you had reached out to me through the alumni group. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just, I think when you're in these periods of transition, I always say it's like everything looks like a job. So you're like willing to like, well, how do I explore this or how do I explore Mm -hmm. that? So it is a like a scary time sometimes for people. But I think I try to remember that this is a time also you can explore other things. I'll do a lot of yoga. I do a lot of exercise. I garden. I'll even (laughs) do classes that have nothing to do with my, you know, like my field just because I think at the heart of like design is you're curious. So I took like a beekeeping class at the local extension. So just to kind of keep yourself active and, and it's good. Mm-hmm. I think in that time period when I was working with you, it was like everything kind of looks like a job. And mm-hmm. I tried to remember that over the time. Once you do get you land again, you're like, I want to remember that everything should look like a job. And yeah. it's almost like you should be more entrepreneurial. And I think you should be more entrepreneurial in your spirit, because I think that that's where you you open up opportunities for your career. And But often you kind of get busy and you get comfortable. But mm-hmm. your creativity blends into everything that you do. And when we worked together on my projects, I had, that was my first time ever doing anything like that. And you mm-hmm. were a pro. We, I had a casting call and you knew how to get everybody in position. And we did all these scenes and all that stuff. And so, you know, again, you know how to jump in and pretty much do anything because you have so many skills and experience. It seemed like a perfect fit into your user design, which you eventually moved into because it takes a lot of the creativity and putting things together in a way that makes sense for a user or a customer. So I'm so happy we did that project together. (laughs) Great job. Yeah, that was awesome. I think, I mean, at the heart of also creative, but just being curious. So I think that my curiosity, maybe even as a photographer, uh, the curiosity that I have just like everyday things kind of translates into just a curiosity for design because as a designer, often you could be working on, I work in the fintech, which is really odd because I'm not, certainly not a math person, but I work in that area of fintech, whether I was with a State Farm or my latest role with Rocket Mortgage, I had to deal with really complex things, but you also have to be, have a spirit of curiosity because you're in a, often in a place that you may not be comfortable in. So It kind of goes back to my, you know, my work as a photographer and as a journalist that kind of relates to my work in UX design. So what inspires you to transition from background in multimedia and photography into focusing on user experience design? I had worked, I had always been interested in design. I think, you know, the two are pretty much related when you're in a creative space. And the people that I had collaborated with on the design team at Weather, there was like, well, why don't you try UX? And I didn't really think, I didn't even think of what they were doing. I, I worked more on a content role. So I worked on the app, but I worked on the end of the app where I would procure images for the app and allow users to to feel like they were in a certain location. So I did the strategy f- around that content. And, but in my actually undergrad, I mean, my graduate work, I really had the training of a UXer. 
And through a boot camp, it was an easy transition. But it was really like where opportunity just meets your skills. So it was like, I, I have these skills and it seems like there's a lot of opportunities in this area and I've enjoyed it ever since. I like how you say you go to where the opportunity is. It is one of those things that's really hard for a lot of people. They become good at something and they do it for a long time and it's really hard for them to make the shift. And I think your episode will definitely be insightful to some folks who may not realize they're pigeonholing themselves into something that is really no longer serving them as much as something else that it's is actually necessary in the workforce right now. We're talking about UX, UI, all that kind of stuff. So I want to take it back to just the basics of that, because a lot of people listening don't know what's the difference between UX and UI. So what's the you difference? put it together. Yeah. Uh-huh, they put it together. And I think a lot of people, when, when you hear designer, you think of no, no shade on graphic designers because that's its own discipline, but you think of a graphic designer. But in the discipline of UX and UI, the user is at the center of what we do versus a graphic designer who might have their own vision for what they want to do and they can, they can do their own vision without the user feedback. So UX is user experience. So it deals with how the user flows through a system or how the user flows through the goal, achieves their goals and what your business goals. So aligning those, those goals up with the user. And then UI is the user interface. So it's kind of the visual layer, the buttons, the, how the page is laid out. And then the user architect would, would deal with the flow of things and the overall Maybe they would just make the uh, wireframes and then a UI designer would come in and put on the visual layer. But today, often with, with companies are kind of consolidating those roles. So in my last role, I served in the product uh, role as a senior designer. I, I did most of the work where I would do the, both the UX, so worried about you know, interviewing the users, uh, okay. looking at their flow, creating journey maps, personas. Those are the things that UX architects usually do. And then as a UX designer, I would apply the design system that we use and the actual end visuals. Mm -hmm. There's many disciplines within UX. So there are content people who just deal with the content and UX researchers as well. So on the, when you mentioned that you would spend time with speaking with the customers, getting information from them on the flow and basically how they would use the product. Are you involved sometimes on the user research side of things? You know, um, and yeah, and, and kind of having a growth mindset, I, I kind of saw the writing where they, uh, they were putting more tasks on the, the designer. So at my last company, they had a program where you could actually learn, like take an in-depth of learning how to become a researcher. And it, and it also aligned with my work as a journalist. So when other roles that I've had, I've helped the designer because they weren't as um, comfortable with talking and, and getting questions out of people. So absolutely, I've been able to, you know, take a deeper dive also in research as well. Wait, so that is right. I forgot you had journalism in your background. The yeah. intersection of all of these skills make perfect sense for your position and with your transition, you're specifically looking for something, senior user experience, user design. It makes sense. Also, my background in journalism is also this, just the storytelling. So being able to tell the story of the user to all the collaborators, your engineering team, your business, 
you're able to tell the story of that user and make a compelling you know, case for some of the decisions that you might have to make. What types of industries are the products in that you've worked on? In my most recent work, uh, work I worked very close to the user because I worked on an enterprise uh, system where it was for mortgages and loans. So the oh, lead okay. would come in and then lead allocation. So it would match the correct loan with the right banker. And my users were these strategists who would uh, strategize on production. So interviewing them, it, collaborating with them, realizing what they needed to do their job more effectively, and in the end, helping the business uh, make, you know, better strategic decisions with this tool that they use. Because often, I, I think that was, a, that was my first role in the enterprise uh, scene, but it was really rewarding because you could make changes and you could actually talk to the user you could engage with the users in a in a more intimate way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some companies are more agile than others when it comes to making modifications to a product. Are you used to working in a more agile environment where they, where they make adjustments quite often? Yeah, I mean, the challenge always is to align um, user experience up with the agile process. But in, in my last role, we, I think we did a really, really good job of making those changes quickly. You know, I would mm -hmm. see those changes made within a couple of weeks. And I think that the users would trust you a little more because you were, they would ask something and you could deliver within a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And then they say, how do you like it? You get feedback and make those changes. And, but it can be a challenge in any organization, whatever the maturity level mm -hmm. of the design practices mm -hmm. or there's maturity around agile. So where do you where do you see the field of UX design heading like in the next few years? Because right now with AI, there are a lot of things that are being being eliminated, right? Because the tools that are coming out are so sophisticated. So where do you yeah. see the field of UX design going? I mean, I th I think that the perception is that AI is going to get rid of all these jobs and and maybe some of that's true. Whether it's happening now, I would probably beg to differ with, because I think that a lot of uh, what you look at industry now is what we've continued to have go through that buzzword of uh, digital transformation. So a lot of these companies were just starting to become digital first companies, right? Because we kind of had a movement in America where, or at least a movement in industry in general, where you look at the Chick-fil-A's or you look at the Amazon, you look at those are digital first companies, you know, like Chick-fil-A does serve chicken, but behind the, behind that company is a huge digital infrastructure. So I think that probably AI is the next revolution in that. And I think in, as a designer, and especially that I've had kind of the sabbatical to explore some of the tools. And I started to explore my own kind of startup where I started to look at how could I use some of these AI tools? Cause they're very powerful even for entrepreneurs, when you, you're, you're a one-person startup and you need to uh, develop maybe just a vision or tell a story and get some quick visuals without a designer, mm -hmm. they are very powerful where you could just type in a prompt and you, it spits out a whole flow of actual screens and visuals. Certainly, you have to go back and, and, and mess with it. So I don't know who, who knows what's coming down the line, mm -hmm. but I think Going back to having a growth mindset and embracing these tools, and I, I think that as professionals, we'll all be okay. We'll find our way because we're doing right. jobs today that didn't exist. It's gonna, it'll speed up things so that where you needed a developer before, 
a person that can do a lot and get their idea further along the way with less investment. And now they can develop more things that we, we didn't have before. Right. So I think we have to look at it both ways. Yeah, it certainly speeds up things. I see how it has evolved so quickly in such a short amount of time, just that whole space. But it just allows more to get done in less time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and with less money. As a solo entrepreneur, you could create those wireframes. I mean, you, I'm not saying you're getting rid of a designer, but you have it, it at the end of the day, you know, what I talked about earlier, just as a storyteller, giving somebody the ability to, to tell their story a little more easily can be very powerful at, when we look at the future of uh, UX design, as well as just, you know, entrepreneurialism and what AI will mean to the entrepreneur. In this transition right now, what types of qualities are you looking for in your next role? I mean, engaging, interesting, giving me the uh, ability to work, uh, to collaborate with others. It's been a strange job market for me, but I can just continue to explore when you say a strange job market for you, in what ways? Well, it seems like there's a, there's a lot of roles, but it's very difficult to, you do get an interview and then you kind of, you, you, there's a lot of ghosting or uh, at the last minute, maybe the role is taken away. So mm-hmm. in the past, you could, you know, as a UXer, you could have two or three different job opportunities. And certainly people were approaching you all, all this last two years. So it's not as, maybe it's a little more old fashioned where you're going to have to work a little harder to get that role. Mm-hmm. So it's just shifting to that mindset. The ghost scene is not, it's not unique to you for sure, but it's nevertheless, it's still sting. Yeah. Well, even your situation isn't unique. You know, interview after interview, getting to the final on two different interviews, and then neither, you get neither of them. Or the first cycle of interviews and the person's all excited, and then you get nothing. You don't hear anything else. They're like excited for the second steps, and then you hear nothing. Or you actually know the person and you're using your network. So it's like there's no rhyme or reason. And you kind of, in this season, you you wonder, is this ever going to end? You know, of course, in the middle of the night, you have those middle of the night thoughts and things like that. But it is what it is. I think you have to really just lean into, you know, some days you don't feel like doing much. And then other days you feel like, you know, doing what you got to do. But mm-hmm. it can really not take... fun. Oh, yeah, I know. It can really take, the whole process can really take a toll on you. But you have such a great sense of humor and spirit about it all that I'm sure that you're going to be carried through this. So it's it's one of those things where you really have to remember what your foundation is, right? And you have to remember who you are and that you're not defined by this transition stage right now. Yeah. When I was a journalist I had met at a conference, I had met a, a man, he, he worked at NPR and he was giving me some career tips. And then he gave me this whole long thing about, yeah, people say that the job hunt is a full-time job. And that can, can kind of be like offsetting too, because that full-time job is like, you know, but he, he gave the advice of, no, it's not a full-time job. He said, you should take time to exercise, to walk, to do the things that you love to volunteer at the things that maybe you had been paid for before, maybe volunteer and continue to engage yourself. 
So I'm of the school, Lola. You also be good to yourself. In this. And then you're you're doing a full-time job that you don't get paid for, right? And you're supposed to be happy about it. And then at the end of the week, often you get bad news. I get a lot of bad news on a Friday going into the weekend. Oh, like, God. <laughs> like, oh, great. Right. But you have such a great, a great spirit about it. So, you know, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're optimistic and everyone should be because this time will pass and things will come back around to fit exactly what it is that you're looking for. Absolutely. I believe in that. So for other folks that are transitioning right now, what what advice would you give to them? Especially those that are aspiring. UX designers or product designers? I guess when I give advice, I have to give advice to myself and just hang mm-hmm. in there, continue to explore new opportunities. Like I've been exploring my own entrepreneurialism uh, experience just because I'm, I'm developing things. So continue to work, continue to just hang in there. One thing about you, as I mentioned earlier, is that you never stop creating and as you say, being curious about different types of industries and projects. So sharing those projects online, on LinkedIn, uh, having some type of distribution channel so that people know what you're capable of is so important. And that's why I'm so glad you're here on the Unpolished MBA (laughs) because people get a chance to kind of know what you know, right? And uh, I think the next step is for them to see some of your work. Is there a place online maybe that you're sharing that? Yes, you could go to my website is uh, robertjohnsonux.com. Uh, robertjohnsonux.com. We're going to put that in the show notes if that's okay with you. Yes, that's fine. All right. So good. you are going to find your next role. And during this transition time, I'm sure you're learning a, a lot of new things. So I want to move forward to our rapid fire questions. And these are the same two questions I'm asking everyone. And the first one is, what is your favorite book? Okay, Robert, I'm going to ask you some of the same rapid fire questions I ask all of our guests. And for you in particular, I want to know, are there any book recommendations for those that want to learn more about the UX UI space? Well, I I think with this, uh, you know, with this downtime that I've had, I've been looking at how I can incorporate AI into my workflow and kind of get ahead of this whole thing, as well as sharing it with the students that I mentor. But this one of my colleagues from State Farm, my former colleague, Lorraine Phillips, has written a book, and mm. it's a, a guide to mastering uh, prompts for design. And I th- it's the Chat G- GTB, GPT playbook, Mastering Prompts for Exceptional UX Design. Okay, well, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. That is awesome. So let me ask you the next question, which is what tech tools would you say you can't live without? It could be one tool or multiple tools. I would say Figma, of course, you can't live without Figma as a designer or whatever your flavor is, whether it's XD or I don't know if anyone's still using Sketch. I've been messing around with this UI. I think it's you. I want to get the name right. So you can. It's a UX. UI, it's called Wizard, but it's U-I-Z-A-R-D-I-O. Okay. And you can actually just type in an idea and it spits out visuals or and actually like a prototype. So that's kind of like uses AI 
So that's kind of an interesting tool. You can also upload screen grabs and it'll turn them into wireframes or you can mess around with uh, moving those assets around. So That's pretty neat. All right. So Robert, I want to thank you for joining us today. And if folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? You can go through my email at uh, robert.w.johnson at gmail or find me on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. That's where it's at. All right, Robert, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, this episode is part of our holiday 2023 special series called Unpolished Gold. It's a curated collection of conversations and insights designed to highlight career professionals navigating transitions and experts with a wealth of knowledge to share. So as the year winds down, It's the perfect time to reassess, rebrand, and reinvigorate your career aspirations, remembering that every challenge is an opportunity in disguise, and every transition is a doorway to new possibilities. Stay tuned for our next episode, and if you'd like to be a guest during this special series running through New Year's 2024, go to unpolishedmba.com forward slash gold. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with anyone who might benefit from these insightful discussions. Here's to uncovering and celebrating the unpolished gems within us all. Happy Holidays.